you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews to chapter 2. The book of Hebrews in chapter 2. Before we read, I'll mention this. I've mentioned it several times over the years. I'll mention it again that from the very beginning, from the time of the first man, Adam, God has dealt with the human race as responsible creatures. This is true of both sinner and of saint. I realize there's many, I guess, in every generation that denies that responsibility, but we do have a responsibility unto God. Throughout the scriptures, there are many warnings to the people of God. I've never looked up and tried to count how many there are. But I know just in Bible study that I run across warning after warning after warning to the people of God. We're told to take heed to many different things and to beware of many different things because there are dangers for the Lord's churches and God's people. If you would keep that in mind as we read our text, Hebrews in chapter 2, now began in verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I'm going to end the reading there. Our text deals with the responsibility of the people of God. The apostle is not writing here certainly to unbelievers. We know he is writing to believers. If you look over to chapter 3 and in verse 1, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, certainly a direct indication he is writing to believers, the people of, of God. If you notice in verse 12 of chapter 3, he said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. A dire warning to the people of God. Our text in Hebrews in chapter 2 is a warning to the people of God it is a text that sets forth our responsibility as the people of God. And I would say even further, even those who are members 
of the churches of the Lord. A particular responsibility and duty. In Hebrews in chapter 2 and in verse 1, Paul tells us there is something that we ought to do. Something that we ought to do. There is no such thing as Christianity without responsibility. There's just simply no such thing. I've mentioned that on, on several occasions that with blessings always comes duty and responsibility. But keep in mind when we read our, the words of our text, it was the Holy Spirit of God who inspired the apostle to write these words. It was the Holy Spirit of God that had these words put in our Bibles telling us what we ought to do. And it's just those words in verse 1 of chapter 2 where it says we ought to, if that does not speak of duty and responsibility, I don't know what those words really mean. We ought to. Again, the Spirit of God says we ought to. The Word of God says here's something that we ought to do. You'll notice in chapter 2 and in verse 1, it begins with the word therefore. We should never overlook that word therefore. In chapter 1 of Hebrews, you'll find both prophets and angels are mentioned. And Christ is superior to both of these. The superiority of Jesus Christ. He is the Word made flesh. Because of the superiority of Jesus, we have the word therefore in verse 1 of, of our text. I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 3 again. And pay particular attention, if you would, to the wording here. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. In verse 1 of chapter 1, prophets are mentioned. If we give heed to the words that are spoken by the prophets, or if we give heed, as is mentioned in chapter 1, to the messengers of God, the very angels of God, if we give heed to these, certainly we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which the Word of God Himself, Emmanuel, has brought to us. We ought to give the more earnest heed, chapter 2, 
and in verse 1. The word heed that is used in chapter 2 and in verse 1 carries the meaning of us having these things in mind, keeping them in mind, thinking upon these things, meditating upon these things, seriously considering these things, and most importantly, I would think, standing firm upon these things. The word heed, the word heed is important. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things, to the things which we are, have heard. What things are being spoken of in verse 1? It is the things which we have heard. If you notice in verse 3, it is the things which first began to be spoken by the Lord. You remember in chapter 1 and in verse 1 and verse 2, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Verse 3 of chapter 2 again. It is the things which were confirmed unto us by them that heard him. In verse 3 also, it is the things concerning this so great salvation. We could simply say the gospel itself. We ought to give the more earnest heed. I'm going to go back for just a moment. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In time past, God did speak through and by the prophets. In these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. Recently I mentioned to you the progression that was used in order for us to receive the word of God. And we have that here again in our text. In these last days in, in chapter 1 verse 2 God has spoken unto us by his son. The word made flesh. You'll hold your place there just a moment in John in chapter 12 and in verse 49, the words of Jesus. John 12, verse 49, Jesus said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak keeping in mind the progression that we receive the word. It came from God the Father. Now back in Hebrews chapter 1 in verse, uh, verse 1 and verse 2 again, the word came from God the Father. He's spoken unto us in these last days by his Son. Then in chapter 2 and in verse 3, this word was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. 
those who heard him. The word spoken by Jesus was given to the apostles. I don't know if you realize it or not, but I firmly believe this. The writings of the apostles, are, they are expounding upon the words of Jesus. They are expounding upon and broadening our view of the doctrine of Christ, which was the doctrine that God gave unto him. He said, My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. So the word comes from God the Father through Jesus Christ, then to those that heard him, mainly the apostles, but there were some others. But then it comes by them and through them unto us in and through their writings. Look at 1 Thessalonians. In the book of 1 Thessalonians and in chapter 2. In 1 Thessalonians and in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul wrote, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Why? I just stop and ask myself why when I get to phrases like that. And he said, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Again, this is the order. What the apostle did write was not the words of a man. It was the word of God. It was the word of God. When we read the scripture, we're reading the very word of God. In our text, he, uh, Hebrews 2 and in verse 3, God confirmed uh, unto us the word that was spoken by them that heard him. A person acts a fool when I or you or anyone else tells someone plainly what the Bible says, what the Word of God says, and their response is, well, that's just your opinion. I've had that response on many different occasions. Well, that's just your opinion. Well, if you tell someone what the scripture says, it's not your opinion, it's what God said. It is the very word of God. In our text, verses 1 through verse 3, the Apostle Paul gives two basic reasons, it's really two very convincing arguments as to why we ought to give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. If you notice the last part of verse, verse 1, lest at any time we should let them slip. That's a warning. It is a reason to give the more earnest heed. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Then, in verse 3, how shall we escape? Speaks of the very judgment of God. 
upon those who do not give the more earnest heed to the word of God. It's not speaking about condemnation, but it is speaking about a judgment of God. Let me point something out to you in these verses that I think is very important. If you notice, Paul uses the word we repeatedly in, in verse 1 and also in verse 3. And that means he's including himself. He knows there is a danger for himself as well as other saints. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Again, it is the duty and the responsibility, and I would say it's the obligation of every true believer to give the more earnest heed to the Word of God. It's an obligation. You would be hard-pressed, I would think, to give the more earnest heed to the Word of God all the while you neglect the ministry of the Word of God in the church of God. One that willfully neglects the ministry of the Word is certainly not giving the more earnest heed to the Word. I say that, I'm going to the book of Titus to tell you why I say that. In Titus and in chapter 1, Titus and in chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Notice, he tells about the past in verse 2. Before the world began. But then in verse 3, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. If you want to give earnest heed to the Word of God, it would be very well to be in the place where God manifests His Word through preaching. Again, there is responsibility and duty with this. Notice in verse 1 of our text again, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, and here's the danger if we don't. Lest at any time we should let them slip. All Bibles, 
do not have words in italics. Maybe yours does. If it does, you'll notice the word them in this last phrase of verse 1 is in italics, meaning it was not in the original. The meaning here is that those who do not give the more earnest heed to the word of God, especially as it relates to the gospel, will slowly slip away. They will slowly drift away. They'll drift away from the word of God. The word slip in verse 1, the last word of verse 1, is a nautical word. It's a nautical word. You can relate to this, surely, if you've ever been in a boat, a lake, or wherever, and you come to a dock or whatever, and you tie it off. If you don't give special attention to how you tie that knot and make sure it's secure, that boat will just drift away. It'll drift away. That's the meaning here. Just drift away. Notice the wording in verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we slip. 